0: And welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on rashpixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright and I am here with Nikki Kinzer.
1: Hello, Pete. Hi, Hello, Nikki. Hello everyone. How are you? I'm doing great. Are you feeling good? Yes, it's gonna be a good show.
0: I hope that you're feeling good because we've got a it's a legendary day.
1: Yes, it is. Making, taking control history. We
0: are making, taking control. I can't believe you just said making, taking without tripping.
1: Oh my gosh, I totally did. You
0: did. There was a, not (laughs) even like you're a pro. Uh, As you may recall, we have been talking about self-care and ADHD over the last few weeks. Uh, Last week, we focused on the role of exercise in your overall well-being. Uh, Today, we are digging into the sometimes thorny question of medication, and we have a fantastic guest to help us do just that. But before we get started... Head over to TakeControlADHD.com. You can get to know this show a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to our mailing list. And then connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control ADHD. And, of course, you can call us. Leave us a voicemail at 503-664-4ADD and get your voice, thoughts, and questions on this show. We would certainly love to hear from you. In fact, many of the questions that we are talking about on in our conversation this very day came from you. So thank you all for participating uh, before the show. Our guest today is Lori Dupar. She is a senior certified ADHD coach and a psychiatric nurse practitioner, and she is here to lend her expertise to help us unpack this topic of medication and the ADHD brain. Lori, welcome to the ADHD podcast. Thank
1: you, Pete. I'm excited to be here. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Lori. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, well, as Pete said, we are doing this series right now around self-care and ADHD, and you were actually one of the very first people I thought of asking to join us when we were doing the self-care um, series because I followed your work for a, lot, a long time because you've been doing this for a while. Um, I've heard you talk about medication in the past, and I thought you're going to be the perfect guest for our listeners, and I'm thrilled that you're here to, to share your expertise. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm happy yes. to be here. Well, to get started, um, you know, I kind of want to go from the perspective of somebody who is first, or just newly diagnosed, somebody that maybe just got the diagnosis and they're not really sure what to do with it. Um, what would you tell somebody or how, sh- how would you prepare for them for that first doctor's appointment or that follow-up doctor's appointment after getting the diagnosis? And they start, you know, they start to talk about medication.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think first, uh, Nikki, actually, it's sort of amazing for a lot of people to realize sometimes the, the diagnosis is made and the medication is prescribed in a very short amount of time. So we're really talking about a lot of information that people are trying to absorb. Um, and also, you know, that says that they're trying to figure out how this changes them or does it change them or what does this mean, what the, doesn't this mean, really in a short amount of time. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I want to just say, I think sometimes if we are aware that that is common for it to happen, for that overwhelm to be there, um, to know that it may feel a little bit like um, we're sort of being pushed through a mill. And I, I say that because that's the experience that a lot of my clients tell me, sort of pushed through a mill and out the door with a prescription, we're not really sure what to do with it. And really the last thing that usually the doctors will say is, okay, make sure you're sleeping well and that you're eating. And that's kind of the directions. And there may be a follow-up appointment scheduled in a month, or oftentimes clients are not even you're um, still even a little bit confused about, okay, what's the follow-up with this? So I think one of the first things I, I would say to people who are newly diagnosed and perhaps taking that step to um, use try medication as a management strategy for strategy for themselves is to really just know that it's a process to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, whether, whether it's right or it's wrong or not, a lot of times people find out that they end up needing to be the advocate for themselves, that even though they may be working with a psychiatrist who's trained to work with uh, mental health disorders and prescribe medication for that, that oftentimes... The the people who are prescribing the medication may even be asking the client, "So, what do you want to take?" Which is a little con- disconcerting to a lot of people. They're wondering, yes. you know, isn't shouldn't you know what to prescribe? Um, and then, uh, so just know that that might happen. Knowing that that's a very common scenario with a lot of clients, it really does fall on us to um, familiarize ourselves as much as possible with what the choices are that we have to make. And it really does come down to, to a choice. So if, you're in, if you've just been diagnosed and the doctor's saying you want to take medication or sort of getting out the prescription pad, I would even say if you're not comfortable with that, just stop and say, I want to have a discussion about my choices, right? Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. if you're an adult being diagnosed, a young adult maybe in college or you know, a young adult anywhere between you know, 20 and 60, because I'm in my 50s now, so I could still consider myself a young adult. <laughs> That's uh, right. Of course. right? <laughs> um Know that you can stop the process at, at that moment. Taking medication at this uh, is, is a choice that you can make. And I think we're much more likely to um, follow up with it to engage in the process if we have the answers that we need. And if you don't feel like the answers are coming from the person who prescribes it to you, because unfortunately I hear from a lot of people, sometimes the doctors will say, well, you don't really need to know that information. Absolutely you need to know that information. This is a choice you're making for yourself. And you want to ask them, how does it work? How do I know if, what are the choices What are the that I have about medication? How do they work differently so that I know which one I want to try or which formulation that might be most useful for me. Um, If you don't feel like you're getting the answers, I know this may sound sort of harsh, but uh, find someone that is going to answer the questions for you. This is one of those situations where you want to be working with someone who is especially patient with the process and really understands and understands that this is a a process of you and them working together to find the right medication that works for you, um, that provides the most benefit for you um, and hopefully not a lot of side effects.
1: I love how you say it's a choice because I think that sometimes clients will go in to the doctor's appointment feeling like they just have to take whatever the doctor tells them. You know what I mean? Because it's like they're kind of this authority figure. You have to trust them. And I'm really glad you kind of bring that back to, well, wait, wait. If you have some hesitation, get your information, get the facts, and then and then you can come back and make a decision. That's really great.
2: Yeah, it really is. And I, I, I you know, a lot of what I do, a lot of, um, I have classes on ADHD medications. And the reason is, is because I realized that this was happening for most people. Um, when I hear that a patient is, or a client is very satisfied with their prescriber, their medication's working for them, it's really sort of more of a rare case than not. Um, mm-hmm. That is so sad. It is very sad. Oh my goodness. And, and these are individuals that, Um, are the ones that we expect to have the expertise. And uh, so when someone's trying to make a a big decision about themselves, when they're trying to take in new information about their health status or their mental health status, you really need somebody that is able to work with them and understands because there's a lot of misinformation out there um, on ADHD medications, and a lot of it can be very scary and misleading.
1: Well, Lori, I have a question about that, actually. And this is a specific question that came from a client. Um, She said or she's asking, I once heard an ADHD expert say that people on stimulant medications should give up coffee, that the medication would somehow not work as well if you were caffeine dependent. Is there any truth to this?
2: sort of an interesting question. There is definitely um, a relationship w- with caffeine when you're take when you're drinking caffeine and you're taking stimulant medication specifically.
1: Mm-hmm. And I say
2: a relationship because they do tend to affect one another. And the reason is is because caffeine is is uh, also stimulates our dopamine in our brain. So mm-hmm. what typically happens, especially when you're a young adult or a um, a young adult being diagnosed, is Remember, you've always had ADHD. What's happened is that you've been compensating for it. And then at some point, the, what you were doing to compensate wasn't working, whether that's because there was a change in your environment, change in what was expected of you, whatever. But during that time, most people have didn't, may not even realize that what they were doing was trying to compensate for that decreased amount of dopamine available in their brain. And one of the things that is highly available to us is caffeine, um, in the coffee form. It might be in tea. Green tea is very popular. And all of our energy drinks that everybody's drinking, right? So mm, right. what happens is because it's not, they can't, the dopa or the dopamine increase that happens when you drink coffee is not equivalent to the amount that you would get specifically and particularly in, an, in the medication format. People might've been drinking quite a bit of coffee prior to um, being diagnosed and also being put on prescription medications. At that point, what happens is that they oftentimes um, sort of potentiate each other. What I mean by that is that if people are drinking caffeine, um, and usually it's more than, some people are really sensitive, it could be even just one cup, in addition to their medication, sometimes it makes them feel more, more activated more, um, not activated in a way that makes them feel um, agitated.
0: Right. Yeah, frenetic, uh, uncomfortable. Yeah. Kind yes. Of yes. It's feeling. uncomfortable.
2: Yeah. And what's th- I love about this question. So it could be one cup for somebody. It could be f- four cups for somebody else. Typically when the person is on the right dose of the right, the right dose of medication, the right type of medication is they just don't feel a need to drink coffee um, or caffeinated coffee. They just sort of, it, it just really sorts of uh, just sort of sloughs away. They may have one cup because they just like the taste in the morning. Um, but the challenge, but what oftentimes is happening is that the prescriber isn't asking them, how much caffeine are you drinking? Right. Um, I was yeah. just going am sure that's, that, Yeah, yeah no. that's
1: not a common
2: question, no, I'm sure. No, they don't. I ask it because it tells <laughs> yeah. me a couple of things. If someone is um, is on medication and drinking a lot of caffeine, it's telling me they're not getting what they need out of their medication because they're still trying to supplement. And in fact, I'll tell you a story about a gentleman. I was doing a talk at one of the conferences, and he was a gentleman around maybe maybe fifties, late fifties. And he came up to me and had been listening to my talk, and he said, "Told me the medication he was on, and I think he was on Adderall, which is a common medication for ADHD." And he and he said, "Um, "But I'm also doing eight shots of espresso a day." And I was just, (laughs) I and I just stood back and right. I'm up here in Seattle, so I'm in sort of the land of the coffee, right? And I also am a nurse practitioner, so I was thinking. One, my first thought was, how do you afford it? Second was like, how does your stomach stand it? Because that is just, that's like gut rock, right? In your, in right. your stomach. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at him like, are you not just like jumping out of your skin? But I calmly said to him, hmm, you may want to look at your dose of medication because it seems like you're trying to increase that dopamine with the espresso shots. And um, you may want to take that back to your doctor and just, um, Uh, go try and increase that. Just check check that that one. Yeah. (laughs) So I did hear, you know, I, again, my head was spinning and how how do you drink eight shots of espresso a day? Uh, But I was in contact with him uh, again and it was actually the difference that it made for him. He, he was down maybe to one shot of espresso a day that he enjoyed because it was part of his social, his social networking and um, medication had been increased to actually to what he was trying to get the caffeine to do. So that's typically what the conflict is, is that when you combine especially the um, the methamphetamines or amphetamine type of, of, of medication with coffee, it tends to make people agitated. So they think this is the wrong medication for me, when in fact what has been happening is that you know, they've started the medication when they're also still at that same level of caffeine intake.
0: It just seems like a key learning from that one is, you know, from this perspective of advocacy is, uh, oh, my goodness, you have to take ownership of telling the the provider what you are doing, uh, you know, in, in your uh, with your caffeine intake.
2: Yeah. That's- and, and the thing is, is that people don't know that. And it seems sort of a silly, silly point that we would have to go in and say, oh, and by the way, just in case, because I know it's important, this is what my caffeine intake is. They don't, oftentimes, they're not asking, how are you sleeping? They're mm-hmm. just telling you, make sure you're sleeping, right? Yeah. And most people don't sleep medication or no medication.
1: I and- was just going to say that. When you <laughs> said that, I was thinking to myself, how many clients I have that have sleeping problems? I mean, that's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it,
2: it, it, yeah. it's the truth. And the fact is that next to medications, this has been my experience, um, medications can be highly effective. Again, it has to be finely tuned to you. Um, It takes working with a prescriber that understands that it's a process uh, to find that, meaning you might have to adjust dosages or different kinds of medication. But the second biggest lifestyle, taking care of yourself piece, is actually getting consistent sleep. Consistent Mm -hmm. sleep. Um, And that's surprising to people. Most prescribers are not asking about that when they're prescribing the medications.
1: I want to ask you, because I had a client recently who has been diagnosed for a while, but she decided to try medication for the first time because she had not been on it up until this point. And I was working with her and I asked her to kind of follow up. So how, how do you feel it's working? Is it working for you? And she was just, I don't know. I don't know, Nikki. I have no idea if this is working for me or not. Is that a pretty common response? Well, it's not a common, it's a common response
2: because the question is, it's a common question. So how is it going? How's it working for you? And that's the question that professionals are asking. And, and it's, it is a big conundrum, just like your friend said, I don't know. What am I supposed to know? I don't know. Is it working or is it not working? Um, people tend to be on the lookout, almost hypervigilant for if it's not working. Um, if, they're, if their body is just and their brain is simply adjusting to it, do I feel, if I headache, am I sleeping, am I eating right, right? Those things that we're sort of warned about as we walk out the door. But what happens is most people don't know, how do I know if it's working? And mm-hmm. providers or prescribers, I should say, are not necessarily asking it. So some of the things that might be surprising, how you know the medication is working, sometimes it's just asking the questions like, I don't really know. Because if you're not getting negative side effects from the medication, you might be at least sort of in the right ballpark with the the right medication and the right dose for you because you're not getting the negative side effects. So not knowing if you're experiencing something doesn't necessarily mean it's the wrong medication for you, right? Mm -hmm. The next is that... Most people find, um, and I hear this with adults, they feel a sense, they're not really sure what's different, but there's a sense of increased productivity. And what I mean by that is it might be that, for instance, college students um, may just notice that they're actually able to stay longer at studying or they're able to sit longer when they're trying to write a paper or something like that or um, some adults might notice that, wow, I'm not getting up as, up and down as much from my desk or um, that I used to be. So there's an increased sense of productivity, whatever that means for each person. The other thing is that people almost expect that they're going to experience an increase in energy because we have this sort of odd notion that when we're talking stimulant medications, what it's, that it's stimulating our body, which is not true. It's stimulating the dopamine in our brain. I actually like Mm -hmm. to call them dopamine boosters rather than Mm -hmm. stimulant medications. Um, So people just start to feel a sense, they they feel more energetic. Their mood might even lift. Um, Their anxiety goes down, which again is sort of counterintuitive if we sort of think about sort of the old fashioned way of understanding what these medications do. But because people are now able to focus more on the things that they want to, that may or may not have been as interesting, which is why we get distracted, now they're right. getting things done. So they feel better about it, They and they are actually sleeping better. And whether that's because, and. Again, it's got to be the right dose at the right timing, but they're sleeping better. And I just honestly think it's because they're feeling like they're doing stuff during the day. I'm getting it done. Yeah, I'm living my life. In control, it's right. exactly right. Yep.
1: Yeah. You know, I had a college student once that when you were talking about that, it reminded me of a story that he told me is when he first started taking his medication. And of course, I'm asking as a professional, how's it going? How's it working for you? And one of the things he said to me was, I couldn't believe it. On Saturday, I got all these errands done, and I actually went to the store and bought batteries. Yeah, right. (laughs) You know, he had been procrastinating on this for so long, and he finally did it, and that was like his biggest win, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah, and it's like that. And I'm so glad you gave me the opportunity to say, this is what you notice if you're on the right medication and the right dosing. You will notice this increased sense of productivity. The other, And I think there's somehow this myth that it's, um, you know, when you're on the right medication, when you start ADHD medication, it's a little bit like the parting of the Red Seas, right? Like, or the lights just go on. For some people, it is like that. It's like a fog lifts for them, like a veil is totally pulled off, you know, like, they can, they, like there's this clarity that they haven't had before. But for a lot of people, it's much more gradual than that. So mm-hmm. I actually have a tool, and I'm happy to share it with your listeners, that helps people track their medication, that helps them track what dose they're on, What amount they're take, what um, what medication they're on, what dose they're on, when they're taking it, and then actually sort of rate. Okay, how how would I rate my ability to concentrate, my distractibility, my ability to stay on task? Um, I even have blank areas there. So people, because usually people are trying to, there's a couple of areas that they're wanting to address. Sometimes I remember one client I was working with. She was um, wanting to write a book, and it was very important to her to do this. But her frustration was that because of her ADHD, she would work on it one day, and then she would go back the next day, and she couldn't remember what she wrote. So she was, felt like she was wasting all this time having to go back and reread these chapters to catch her up to date so she could write the next one. So she was highly motivated to, if medication could help her remember, um, yeah. that that would be worthwhile for her. And I remember we worked, we worked, I worked very closely with her psychiatrist. She lived in another area than I did. And I remember the day she came back, and she said, oh my goodness, I remembered what I wrote, and it was like a miracle for Aww, her. Right? That's so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what that's you awesome. want to see.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's it, 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 you, that again would not be anywhere in a book, but um, meaning that's a checklist like you might get in a magazine or something. But mm-hmm. I want people. I, I ask people, what is it that you what is it that you're trying to accomplish? What is it that you want to get done that's not getting done? And to help them keep track of of that as one of the indicators of how well the medication is or is it working.
1: Well, I have a very specific question for you that came from Facebook uh in regards to this, and I'll just read it to you and i'm I apologize if I'm messing the pronunciation of the medicine wrong uh, You can correct me. My son is on metadate is that correct metadate fifty milligrams for the morning and ten milligrams is needed. He says it doesn't do anything for him, but he's also fifteen I'm on Adderall twenty milligrams and have found it to be very beneficial. Would he benefit from changing? My doctor says they all pretty much do the same thing. I haven't talked to my son's pediatrician yet.
2: Well, we've got a couple things here, right? We have a 15 year old. I adore working with adolescents. I have four kids all grown and I just figured I was born to work with, with adolescents, right? <sighs> They are
1: com- That's good to know. Uh, com- I will yeah. pass, pass some people on to you. <laughs>
2: Completely wonderful and challenge and amazing. What's happening at 15, right, is that we're pulling away from our parents. That's what we're supposed to do. That's our job at 15 oh, is, to, is to bond with our peers. What I find, and there's really specific um, ADHD challenges or ADHD um, specific things that are happening when you're in this time period and you have ADHD. For kids that have been diagnosed earlier on, they typically hit this age, and it's very Common for them to say, "What am? What do I? What you know?" They're trying to figure out who they are. So, Mm -hmm. because they, there's sort of this, there's this myth out there that it changes their personality. They're wondering, "How am I? What am I like without the medication?" So, it's very common that this students in this age group are wanting to try it without the medications just to see what it's going to be like because they're curious about it. It's a natural curiosity. That's what they're trying to do: figure themselves out at that age. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I know is if someone at 15 doesn't want to take the medication, they're not taking it. Um, I had a little 10-year-old to, that was what we call cheekiness medication. Um, so even at that age, right, he might have been in fifth or sixth grade or something, he was getting some pressure from friends that, oh, you can't take, you know, that's bad stuff for you, or that's, you know, poison or addicting or something. Wow. And 15-year-olds, I guarantee you, are all have, have, have that and more that's coming at them. That yeah. people want to buy their medication, they want to, you know, they want to abuse it. Um, so there's a lot of pressure on these kids. Um, mm-hmm. What I typically do at this, uh, so anyway, and and should he be on his mom's medication? What I would first want to know, what are sort of what are we looking at here with regards to sort of the comment of it's working or it's not working? And I would actually mm-hmm. spend time with the student themselves. How does he know? What is he noticing? What are his goals? What does he want to be different? Um, Mom may, mom may or not be getting the whole complete story, not because she's an awful mother, but because she's the parent, right? Because right. that's their job, to pull away from us a little bit. Um, so it could be an adjustment in medication, but the fact is, the, if he doesn't want to take it, he's not going to. So it doesn't matter what you change it to. If he really wants it to work and he's not, wants it to work and he's perhaps not um, doing as well as academically as he wants, or, or something like that, then... It's about engaging him in the process. Um, It's about engaging him and talking to him. What does he notice when he's on the medication? What does he notice when he's off it? What is it that he would like to be different? Would he like to try a different medication to see if it, um, you know, if it helps him to reach some of the goals he has? Would he like to go off medication? And when I say going off medication, and I do this with clients who want to, and of course their parents are aware of it at this point, is we make up, we, we sort of do it as a science experiment. I will ask them, how will you know if this is working or not for you, right? How will you know if you want to go back on the medication? How will you know if um, you want to stay off the medication? What are sort of the the um, non-negotiables here with regards to maybe what's happening in the family, um, those sorts of things? So. Whether or not he should, uh, medications do not work the same for everyone. Genetically, right. it's more likely that a medication that works for biological relatives, is a, it's going to be similar, that it's going to work mm-hmm. similarly for them. Um, however, that's not always true. So in this particular case, medications do not work the same for each person, and 20 milligrams of Adderall is, is different than 50 milligrams of Meditate and an extra 10 if he wants it, a little bit like apples and oranges, but some people are allergic to oranges and some people like apples better.
1: So what I'm hearing from you is she needs to maybe just get a little bit more curious and ask some more questions to her son and and really probably talk to the pediatrician as well too and and dig in a little deeper of of where he's coming from.
2: And these two medications are very different. They're actually on two different um, classifications of stimulant medications. Okay. Um, but the first thing I I would say, I mean, and recognizing that, right, if the Adderall works for her, it could very well be that that particular kind of formulation would also work for her son. However, what I know about 15-year-olds is I would want to first make sure he's on board with this.
1: Right. Yes. I have a 13-year-old. I understand that. <laughs> okay. and, and pretty much anything I ask is a no. So <laughs>
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: If Which I is... want it, well then I don't want it, mom.
2: <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, exactly. So this is, you know, these are the whole fun things that, you know, life throws at us. Um yeah. and yeah, he's he's 15, so
1: So, I have another question about the effectiveness long term. I had a client ask me, um he was told by his doctor you know, pretty much take the medication during the week, but if you don't have to take it on the weekend, don't. Um, And he was a little baffled by that because he's like, what do you mean? I like, I, when would I never not need this? And there was, it brought up some anxiety for him and he wasn't really sure what to do with that. And so when he found out you were going to be a guest on the show, that was his question is, you know, does it really lose effectiveness over time if you take it long-term? So one of my first
2: questions, is this, is this a college student?
1: No, this is a um, professional. He's probably in his late 30s. Okay. All right. Yeah.
2: Some people, this is the other sort of, um, these are other, other factors of how much ADHD medications are individualized to the person. There used to be sort of the old school was that you only take it during You know, when you need it, like academically. And so you Mm -hmm. would take medication holidays, don't take it on the weekend, don't take it during summer breaks, things like that. What we're now discovering is that medications work best when they're taken consistently. And it's not only, it's sort of not like the medications work, uh, actually what happens is the individual experiences more success, more consistency in success when it's taken consistently, meaning every day, right? Mm -hmm. It just makes sense. Mm I, having said that, I do have some adults who um, will take the medication only on the weekends because their problem is not the job that they're doing. They love their job. They're activated by their job. They're enthusiastic about it, but they're just having a heck of a time getting that honey-do list done, right? So Got that's okay. what they might have coming to have been coming to see me because their goal was to get that honey-do list done um, and mm-hmm. uh, for the relationship. Um, Does it affect long term? There's also a sense that if you need to take medications for a long time that your body develops sort of a tolerance to it or it's not going to be effective. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think that happens as commonly as we are perceived. We perceive that that's supposed to happen. A lot of people have been the same medication for years and years and it, it, um, and without having to change the dose and the medication has worked fine for them. What happens is that at certain phases in our life, um, one of them being when we're in adolescence, another seems to happen in our, in our 20s, our mid-20s, and because we just don't understand that much about the aging brain, probably our brain is also going through different changes at different phases throughout our life. Um, so the effectiveness of a medication, how it's working for individuals, may change based on... Um, what is really sort of a physical change that happens to everyone in their brain. The brain goes through sort of a, what we call a repruning process. Um, so they may notice a change in their medications and nothing else might have changed in their lives, but it's just part of their natural body maturation
0: that's happening. It's an interesting thing, though, too, because doesn't the I I mean, I my uh, working with another psychotherapist who whose comment on that was, you know, we also have to take into consideration that the drugs themselves have actually gotten smarter uh, and and that their their effect is it can be, you know, certain drugs, their effect can be even more just sort of localized and isolated uh, and have the impact on. And then when it's when it is out of your system, it's off. And so you really can use it like a light switch. I mean, have you had? Have you seen anything like that? Yeah, it...
2: actually, more adults than students. Actually, there's a, sort of a few classifications of people that are really appreciating the fact that we now have long-acting medications that they don't just work two to four hours or that they work long-term. Those tend to be moms, teachers, um, and students, college uh, mm-hmm. college students, honestly, because. The tasks that are required of us during that amount of time, oftentimes, is not just limited to a certain eight-hour uh, span or two-hour span. Having said that, I have many professionals that I work with that they are, recognize that they that there's certain parts of their job that are most difficult. Um, I'm thinking about a, a, a professor that a psychology that I worked with for a while. She had loved getting up and talking with her students. It was the planning what she was going to say or plan, making her. Um, class plan, right? That she just could never get done. So for her, when she was sitting down to do that particular task of her job, she would use her medication to help her focus, to help decrease the distractibility so she could get that done. And she really didn't take her medication any other time. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, I think that that's an example of that. I had another gentleman who a lot of his job was outside. He did a lot of, it was like a geological job of some sort but when he had to do paperwork, which was essential to his job, reporting what he discovered, reporting what they did during those days out in the field, he was he was really really struggling. In fact, a um, lot, lot of times these types of struggles are ones where people are in danger of losing their job, despite how well they do in other areas. So he again mm-hmm. was someone that may not have realized how much you can you can personalize. How you take the medications and he just knew on that particular day when he needed to do that paperwork that's when he took his medications the problem is the when we're talking perhaps about um, i'm thinking about and i know that a little bit related to students but it could be related to adults as well is that if what we're trying to accomplish on the weekend for instance that if it is requiring anything to do with our executive function um, we the, um, we will benefit from having the medication. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of students, also, I found, lot like with college students, some for some reason they've gotten the message that um, they just need to take the medication when they're studying or in class. Sort of whatever the identified main challenges that they've discovered with their prescriber. But the challenge with that is that these students are stu- are studying at ten o'clock at night. Right? They need to mm-hmm. engage that part of their brain of remembering of learning. Of holding their attention on something for long periods of time. So it's not uncommon when I'm working with someone that they'll all realize that they somehow gotten the message that they didn't need to take the medication on the weekend because they weren't in class, quotes, unquote. But the fact is they're still going through the process of studying and learning and remembering and trying to stay focused. And they were trying to do that without the benefit of their medication.
1: What about uh, are are the medicin are medications addictive? I had a a particular client who really feared taking them because he actually had in his family addictive tendencies. So I don't know if that makes a difference or not. But I'm just curious what your thoughts are on them being addictive. Um, well, this is
2: how I answer that question, and I also um, there's a couple things I want to say that a lot of what we're seeing in addiction, um, it's very common if someone's been diagnosed with ADHD prior generations have some history of addiction. Um, and the reason is, is because years ago or the past generations, we didn't really know what was going on. So a lot of people self-medicated.
1: That's how they coped with it. That's right. Uh huh. So they make, then
2: they become physiologically dependent on that particular substance, right? And then we right. have this sort of addiction cycle. But it's not because of, it, it's because they were trying, it was an undiagnosed ADHD. Mm-hmm. We know it's genetic, Right. Um, are they addictive? I have to say, one of the hardest things I have my clients do, and I don't know about, about you, Nikki, but is to remember to take their medications.
1: Yes. yes, yeah.
2: Trying to figure out a system to take their medications. And to me, that's sort of the anti-definition of addiction.
1: Yes, They, so true. they are so true. They can't remember
2: when to get their medications filled. They can't remember, just like you said about this one question with this young man who's taking the Meditate 50 and then as needed at you know, the 10 milligrams as needed, that as needed is rarely taken. And that is not what an addict does. An addict is thinking, okay, I took my medication. When is it going to be, when can I take my next one? Or maybe I'll just take it along with this one. That is is—that is not happening with our clients. They can't remember to take their medication.
1: I also had a question uh, from a client about just ideas on navigating the healthcare system, especially when you're first diagnosed. Um, and what I thought was really interesting about this is he was talking about all the loopholes and the steps. And you know, these details are so hard for somebody with ADHD to to wrap their heads around. Any advice on how to get through that piece of it?
2: Yeah. I actually have a term for that. I call it the prescription, PMS, prescription medication syndrome. (laughs) Oh, so true. (laughs) (laughs) People go, what? And I know prescription medication syndrome. It is this nightmare of that. It seems to be, uh, very unconducive to the direct challenges that somebody is trying to treat with their ADHD. The fact that we that we need to be just, you know, a few days ahead of getting our prescription refilled. And sometimes that in, entails calling our physician, um, mm-hmm. calling the pharmacy. Uh, there's, I, I think that there's a, for each person, there's two or three days in the month that they're off their medications because, again, this prescription medication syndrome, they've just there's wow. that lapse between, oh my gosh, that was my lapse pill, and I need to get this refilled, right? Um, so one of, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think how to say this, what, how, what the other challenges are. It's so difficult. Um, I oftentimes wonder, what do people do that don't have a medical background? I myself was just trying to get some medications filled, and... I was I was thinking this is ridiculous, right? Um, yeah. This is ridiculous, and it unfortunately is one of those things where again we have to sort of self advocate for ourselves um, and recognize that we need to do that and we need to ask just ask we need to ask questions. Um, mm-hmm. I am a big believer in, um, especially because getting the refill the medications refilled seems to be one of the hardest problems, along with remembering to take it, is to set up different systems or structures for yourself to do that. Typically, I find that if people, they think they're going to remember to take it, which doesn't happen, but I find that um, associating it with something that you normally do every day is a good habit. I had one gal that said, and I hope this doesn't, isn't too much information, but she said, yeah, what I do is I put it on a shelf right in front of where I sit on the toilet every morning, and then I see it, and I know I'm <laughs> going to take it, Right. Another person, right. Right? Right. she goes, like tiny habits I'm like, in a nutshell, right. I'm right like there. whatever yeah. it takes. Other people tape yeah. it, you know, tape it to the coffee maker because they know they're going to he- head there. Um, <laughs> right, right. right, Set alarms for yourself so you remember to do it. The same is true for getting it refilled is to set an alarm that goes on. And phones, it's one of the things I really like about the iPhones. You can actually set an alarm for yourself that goes off. And if one doesn't do it, set it on multiple times to make sure that you're getting your prescription filled. It's the hardest thing for them to do. Um,
1: Well, and this particular person that, that asked this question was saying that he... Was in a different state doing something. I don't know if he visiting family or something, and he couldn't get the medication from that state. I mean, it was just a big mess. And they took the the little piece of paper right out of his hands and said, "I'm sorry, but we got to take it." Yeah, crazy, I mean, right? Gosh, it makes you feel terrible.
2: And then the other the other thing that is so uh, I don't I mean unfair. It's it it makes me actually very angry when I hear that this happens to people. Um, is that they'll oftentimes feel like they get sort of the um a suspicious look from their pharmacist. Yes. Right? Like yes. you're get, or if you're an adult, why are you taking this? This is a medication for a child. Um uh. and it is it and I, I and I I I really, if I could get a bunch of fun of pharmacists, I'd love to do that. I mean what a terrible thing, right? Here you are, you're mm-hmm. trying to follow follow the rules. It's probably a new diagnosis for you. You're, there's probably struggles along there anyway. You're just trying to get your silly medications filled. Nobody looks at you like that when you walk in with high blood pressure medication and, you know, you uh, and maybe what you need to be doing is out jogging or something. But there is so much stigma about this. And it's so unnecessary um, that 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 people have to go through that on top of right the I mean I would be like cheering Yay you're here to get your prescription filled I was just going right, to say yeah the services should Woo! be
0: congratulating exactly. you for even showing up
2: Well for That's showing right. up on the day you need it when you had actually hadn't run out yet
1: Well and then they're living with that that shame and guilt and they don't need that They've got other areas that they feel shame and guilt about the, you know, the last thing they need to worry about is is the medication to help them. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And where, you know, how in the heck did shame and guilt get in this thing anyway? Right. This is, I know. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a, this is, this is a genetic, genetic disorder. It's no different with, if, you know, who feels shame and guilt if for whatever reason in their family, they have a, a, a cancer gene, right? We look at right. it, we go, let's take care of that, let's make sure, let's um, you know, be proactive with it and where people are cheered on for that. They're not looked at like there's some sort of like something's wrong because they don't they have this this variation in their in their mm-hmm. genetic code. So it's just it's very very frustrating.
1: Well, and it's interesting because one of the first things I'll tell people, especially when I first start working with them, is, you know, we do this educational piece, right? As coaches, we talk about ADHD and how it affects you and and uh you know, one of the things I'll say is this is not your fault. And I can't tell you, I mean, it gives me chills just to even say it. You just hear this pause and sometimes there's tears, you know, with that because they just, they realize or they're coming to terms that this is not, this is not your fault. This is
2: not about motivation or Mm -hmm. interest or, um, trying harder or it's not about that. This is just Mm -hmm. a variation of the way that your brain works. There are medications that can make a difference, um, if if you want, it's they're possible to try. They can help, um, but we need to yeah, we need to be our own advocate. We need to find sources of information that um, that feel right for us. And I say that because I think most people in their gut know if they're being led down sort of a path of of, of um, misinformation. Um, so talk with people who know, who can provide answers for you, um, and just know that that's part of this part of this sort of, um, I don't want to say game that we're playing, but part of the diagnosis.
1: Well, I look at it as a puzzle, really. You know, when you look at like ADHD care, management of ADHD, it's a puzzle. And, and medication is just one of those pieces. So, yeah. And I think mm-hmm. when it
2: comes to, like you said, sort of the health organization, I mentioned, you know, about the, the getting prescriptions field. If you don't like, your, like the person prescribing for you, find somebody else. I know that's easy to say, but you do not need to Be working with somebody who is not giving you the support that you need so go find somebody else Um, contact one of the resources or we have a lot of international organizations that support people with adhd that might be able to give you the referral to someone else Um, it's and i know there's a cost factor involved with this um, for a lot of people i think it's worth the cost if it's possible to go through the process of getting the medication, the dosage, the timing, the type of medication that works for you down. And then a lot of times what I find after that is that their, their primary provider or their internist or their family practitioner or whatever is willing to maintain the prescription. They already They usually have a better relationship with them. But to get it down so that you know that it's working for you, don't be afraid to ask questions. If you ask the questions and somebody says you don't need to need know that, turn around, pick up and walk yeah, off. Yeah, pick up. <laughs> pick up Yelp. I don't know what you pick up. And you, <laughs> I'm serious. I found yeah. some of my best doctors on Yelp. Um, yeah. And go find somebody else, at, or ask somebody else. Who do you see? Um, yeah. Just because they have an MD or PhD or even a nurse practitioner doesn't mean they know ADHD.
1: I'm curious to know from you, or if you've heard about any new research, or you know anything coming up, new advances that that our listeners might be curious about. Um,
2: it, it's sort of this interesting thing. Most people, it seems like there's a sense that right, the whole ADHD thing is new. Um, if we spend time studying ADHD or being around ADHD, like you and I are, Nikki, right? We know mm-hmm. that this is this is a behavior. This is this has been identified hundreds of you know hundreds of years ago we've seen it in the literature yeah. medications for ADHD actually came out around the 1950s that's when the first were the stimulants the first stimulant methylphenidate came out about the same time that Tylenol was and if you kind of consider that it's like wow okay so we've been studying them for a long time so when whenever people are saying there's not hasn't been we don't know a lot what the long term effects are of this I'm like goodness gracious these have been out for mm. You know, sixty-five years and had been studied ad nauseum. I can't say that word. You know what I mean? Uh,
0: over and over <laughs> I'm not again. I might even get a try. Over and over
2: again. Ad nauseum. Ad nauseum. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, ad nauseum. Um, to to know whether or not it's safe or it's not safe. Um, after and but and even in that time, sixty-five years. And think about this: like the treatment of cancer, the treatment of depression, and all that. Mm-hmm. In all those years, we really haven't found too much. Too many differences in our new medications that make a bigger difference than what we've already had. You had the methylphenidate that came out the Ritalins, then you had the amphetamines um, like Adderalls. Then what really started to change? Then you had the formulation of them, how they were packaged, is how I put it, how they were released in a person's body. We, they're you know, pill form, liquid form, patch form. Um, those things started to change. But again, the active ingredient. Have not changed that much. We've added some other some other medications like guanfacine that um, actually is more actually works similar to blood pressure medication. That a lot of uh, kids anyway who have sort of an anger impulsive impulsivity it's prescribed for them often, but not as a primary medication for ADHD, but hmm. secondary. We have a non-stimulant that people that is really just a remake of a. De- antidepressant that was popular in the 19, 1950s or so, and because um, I don't think the, meds, pe- the medications got smarter, pe- but the people creating them got smarter, so they were able to clean it up. There's less side effects, but really, it's not a mm-hmm. new medication. Um, but no, what they I mean. found when they were using this particular medication for persons with depression or anxiety, that, they, that some of their ADHD symptoms were also improved, and we know how commonly those three different um, uh, conditions go together. Coming up, it seems sort of a little bit of the same thing, a little bit of tweaking of this, different changes in administration that we haven't had. Um, certainly, Vyvanse sort of changed the scene again, the same active ingredient that's an Adderall. It's just that it's released in our body differently. And, that, and so right. the benefit of that was a much longer-acting medication. But again, it's the right. same thing, just sort of remade in a different format. So that's kind of, that's actually what the... Um, again no new specific active ingredients are being looked at i can't find that it would be exciting if it was and it's mm-hmm. also sort of the response i give to people when they say you know the pharmacies or not pharmacies but the um medication companies are making all this money and i'm thinking man i would they would make a mint if they could just figure yeah. out another active ingredient that works as effectively as you know, more effectively than what we have out here.
0: Oh my goodness. I was just going to reflect on that. I mean, when I'm at my very worst, when I'm like letting people down because I'm forgetting things and I'm just not delivering what I need to do. Like the only thing that is front of mind when everything else should be front of mind is why haven't they solved this experience for me yet?
2: Exactly. Right. So, um, so unfortunately, nothing new looks like it's coming on the horizon with that, but with regards to a new active ingredient. For some reason, dopamine, the neurotransmitter and dopamine are just sort of like still quite a mystery to us. Um, hmm. Part of it is that we minimize the eff- the effect that ADHD has on our lives. And a lot of people that would be prescribing ADHD medications are looking at other disorders and there's much more information. And let's just face it, much more medications to treat those. So right. ADHD sort st- stops being a little bit, you know, interesting because there's not a lot, a lot of differences in there. Having said that, uh, we certainly know that the extended, um, the length, the medications that have an extended release have really made a difference for folks. No longer do we have mm-hmm. to sort of try and remember to take the medication. So that's been mm-hmm. a huge change, a real positive change, even though it's the same active ingredients. Um, but one of the most interesting things I was reading about. So is that they're trying to come up with a medication or the, I don't know which companies they are, but, but there's some medications trying to be reformulated, but again, the same active ingredients, um, but you can take at night so that when you wake up in the morning, you actually have like sort of your, it's already started to work. So you're waking
0: up with your sort oh, of, sure, you're already like ramped up.
2: So yeah, oh, your brain is yeah. already a little bit turned on. I mean, right now we can, a lot of people do that by, you know, setting a couple different times on their alarm and. Taking their medication and then falling back to sleep. Waking and then, back <laughs> up, right? Yeah, but that's sort of. I mean, it's kind of novel. I think. Wow. Okay, taking yeah. it at night. Um, that's a little different because most of these medications we need to take in the morning, and uh, so that's that's new. But again, yeah. it's not a, not a a change in the active ingredient in it. Mm-hmm. Um, by any means. It's just really still playing around with some of the stuff we already have.
1: Well, that is great information. I had no idea. Half of the stuff you've talked about, this has been so new for me. Medication is not something I focus on because I don't know a lot about it. So I appreciate you so much being here today and sharing this information with our listeners. Um, I know we covered a lot, but I fear that there might still be more questions out there. Can Where can people find you and reach out to you if, if there are more questions? Yeah,
2: great. Um, people can find me. They can go to my website, at what, what
0: I can be found. I can be found. Can
2: be found. <laughs> you can Google me, uh, but you can go to my website. probably the most direct coaching for ADHD.com. Um, if you want to email me, it's just, you can email me at support at coaching for uh, And we will get back to you as soon as possible. So Um, just remember coaching for ADHD and you'll find me
1: well, and in our show notes, we will have your full bio and all of those other places too Twitter, Facebook. I know you're on a lot of social media stuff too, so.
2: And I do, I want to say I do, you know, one of the things that I do teach in my training program, I have a um, coach training program now that uh, is about medications just so that we have the information. it's not about prescribing. It's not about diagnosing. But it's yeah. saying this is information that is going to be helpful for us to be able to help our to help our clients. And it's at, and it's really geared towards individuals, just so that they understand how their medication works, because they are the ones that are at choice with this. And the information is not out there. And and a lot of times when somebody tries to present this, they do it in a way that doesn't that that is is so complicated that mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. So one of the things that I do is I. Do a class. It's like a five week class, actually. That really make makes it make sense. Still professional, but not in this crazy brain, you know, lot brain words. It's their words mm-hmm. that make sense, so that you know, oh, this is what's happening in my brain. This is how the medications work. This is why that one does that. This was this is what's happening when the medication is wearing off in my system. Um, all of those things, I I help people understand, so they can make a educated choice what's right for them or right for a loved one
1: well i think you're fitting in or you're filling a need there definitely because the yeah the information is not out there and uh that's fantastic
0: this is wonderful information, Laurie. Thank you so much for taking the time. And you, you know, we said this was going to be a legendary episode. Uh, I think it certainly is is legendary in length for us. This was just a nonstop, uh, awesome kind of roller coaster. I hope people get a lot out of it. But you're also our very first guest. Oh, yay! Uh, which is awesome. Yay! I'm so We excited. need a plaque. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I want a plaque. I want a little plaque. You should have a plaque. Yes. Try, yeah. uh, this has been just terrific. So thank, thank you. you so much for taking your time and joining us. My tonight.
2: pleasure. What a lot of fun for me, Pete. Nikki, thank you so much.
0: Fantastic. Well, this has been great. Thank you, everybody. Once again, uh, Take Control ADHD. Uh, subscribe to the show. And, uh, you know, it really helps others find the show. If you take your time, just a minute, head over to iTunes and leave us a kind five-star review. That uh, helps others who are who need help and support uh, with their ADHD to find out all of these great resources like our conversation today with Lori. So on behalf of Nikki Kinzer and the great Lori Dupar, I am Pete Wright, and we will catch you next week on Taking Control. The ADHD Podcast.